Content warning, this podcast contains mentions of human trafficking, discrimination, racism, and queerphobia. Hi everyone, welcome back. You're listening to a new episode of Queer Sounds, a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. And thanks for tuning in again. Um, my name is Hannah, pronouns they them, as always. And we're going to continue all over the world. I'm, I feel very sorry for not having a lot of you know, Asian representation on my podcast so far because, I don't know, I should put in more effort and, and I, I only half know what I'm doing. But today, that's going to, I'm, I'm going to take a step in the right direction, I hope, with none other than Warapon. Hi, welcome. Hi, Hannah. Nice to meet you here. How are you doing today? Very well. I'm very excited to be part of your podcast today. I'm also excited to have you on. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try something new here. Um, usually I just ask people how are they doing and then move on to uh, something that 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 they've been working on. But I want to try something else, being a little bit of a fun icebreaker. So tell me one weird, uncomfortable fact about yourself. Oh, wow. That's a very hard question. Um, I'm a very, you know, a too lazy guy. Some people find that it's a very, very disturbing for them because sometimes they feel like I don't want to do anything, which is not good for people like me who is, you know, having nine to five job and want to do nothing. So, yeah, I think that's very disturbing. And, you know, I don't want to share this to to every people that my dreams want to be rich and do nothing. <laughs> Being like a dream job would be a mattress tester or something like that. Just literally sleeping yourself rich. Yeah, but... when I heard about like people going to like hotel and hotel and trying to review how good is their bed and how good is, is their bake- breakfast. I think that's like my dream job. <laughs> All right. But what is your actual job? Uh, introduce yourself a little bit to our audience. What are your pronouns and what do you do in daily life? Okay, so my name is Warapon. People in Thailand call me Tui because uh, in Thailand people have such a long name. So everybody uh, was assigned by their nickname. Uh, my pronoun is he. So yeah, I'm now working in the international organization in Bangkok, which is working on the... Uh, culture trafficking in persons in Thailand. Uh, my my part is dealing with the communication activities that is uh, working throughout Thailand and also in Bangkok, the capital of Thailand. So yeah, I've worked there for about two years now and very excited to have a very new exciting activity coming uh, this upcoming year in 2021 and finger crossed that COVID-19 would not impact any of the activity uh, in, in Thailand. But yeah, that uh, pretty much about myself. Um, you, the last time we talked, you told me you deal with a lot of migrant issues. Like, uh, could you shine a little bit more of a light on that? Yes. So uh, th- uh, if people, you know, do not know where is Thailand, um, Thailand actually in Southeast Asia, and we thought uh, our geographical location is kind of strategic for a lot of movement in, in, in the region. So we are surrounded by uh, Myanmar, by Laos and Cambodia. So we are, we, we, with this uh, strategic location, we have a lot of migrant workers who cross the border and work in Thailand. But with this... Uh, situation we also have a, a lot of things that going on in the border we have a situation of human trafficking when people being exploited to cross the border and work for the and work um illegally in, in, in the country or being uh you know uh violate their human rights or being forced to work on some of the job here and without receiving a proper money or welfare so our project is trying to address this particular issue in 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 thailand by uh, not just only give them uh the one direction on being uh, better in uh dealing with their vulnerability of being trafficking in thailand but we also working on three different parts uh, to leverage the work of the Thai government to work better in the culture trafficking. But it's also, we are also trying to work with the civil society organization 
to uh, leverage the uh, awareness among the migrants through series of communication campaigns. And at the end, we're also working in the in a protection system, which is a very important part in the project that we're trying to bring a stronger, uh, we've had to bring a stronger system to the situation and trying to deal this with this uh, situation better in the future. That sounds like a job with a lot of pressure. How do you cope with that? Um, I think uh, when you're working in a development organization, a lot of people might feel like it's a very interesting job. You're going to work to solve a lot of world issues. It's like you're becoming a hero and solving something. But yeah, it's really true that when you said that it's a very stressful job, to be honest. But uh, for me, working in this job requires a lot of passion. It's just not only about you like what to do or you want to to help people, but it's about 100% of you to, to really involve in the, in, in the work. So for me, uh, to cope with this is about be trying to have a balance in my life i would say uh, i i put my 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 myself 100 in, in my job so i work very hard to do that and when i work hard on that the results coming out in a good way so i'm very i'm pretty okay with that and also after work i also trying to have a nine to five death job you know going to gym listening to music or trying to hang out being crazy with my friends, you know, have a simple life rather than being development sector guy. All right, just like really trying to keep the two parts separate. Like you've got a very meaningful, yes. a very meaningful job during office hours, but after after you're done, after you you, you tap out, you're you're just gone. You chill. Yeah, I, it's just like I, I'm losing my title. You know, I don't have any position in in the company. Just being <laughs> another another me. Yeah. All right. Let's get some music up in the show. Um, the first track. There we go. go um i'm going to butcher this pronunciation but i'm just gonna so, so i'm just gonna go with the englified version i guess uh 2002 retreat with a song called chini ya um but for now a little bit of a background story about this uh about this group it's a girl group from thailand uh if you uh, as you can hear there are some arab influences there um which is you know the thousand one night, that type of stuff, and that's actually also what the name translates to. But you know, instead of thousand and one night, it's two thousand and two nights because you know, it's two thousand and two after all. Um, at least that uh, it was two thousand and two when the song was released, and it shows, and I'm loving it. Um, oh hi, yeah, <laughs> I think I laughed. I, I laughed a lot when I, I because I, I I'm very like to be honest, even though it's like my favorite song ever since I was young until today, but it's still like giving me like some giggling when I listen to this song. Like you have a very perfect introduction to this song. I think it's, they are like a very popular girl group back then in 2002. Uh, they're like combining of those artists together and showing a very, very, I think it's like a very very popular time of a Thai pop music scene back then. And I'm you can see that 2002, I was just eight years old. So that's like 
developing into my musical sense that wow this group is just wow you know like wow what is this type of song because in nineties of Thai song it's like different type but two thousands forward uh, like forward is like very very influenced by a lot of songs in 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 the music industry so yeah that's that yeah i i i i kick a lot about this because i'm very happy that you choose this song right yeah um i mean how could i not this sounds like such a this sounds like such a fun bop it's yeah um, it's kind of reminiscent of you know all of the all of the other bands that you had going on um like uh ask club seven or chips or any anything like that like the the real uh kind of manufactured pop groups because you know they also fall into that category but gosh damn if they don't have some fun, fun tunes so from there like why, why specifically this song like is this just something that you came across as an eight-year-old and really made an influence on impact on you yeah so back then um in thailand people really like crazily addicted to cds like we have a cd player in in our household so um we don't we you know we don't have like youtube or anything back then so when we watch uh when we watch, watch television we always like or radio we always like you know listen to we always hear this song in the radio and it's such as you said it's such a bop and me back then even though i'm you know i'm not realized myself that much about you know anything in myself but i think that this song is really like making me really energetic and all those stuff i came mm-hmm. across this song in a very surprising way on the radio but after that i asked my mom to go and buy to like to go and buy the city <laughs> to, right, to, yeah. to get to my student collection and i mean so, just yeah, in between it's not yeah. not if it's any consolation like no one in the world had youtube yet back in 2002 so that's a thing yeah yeah so <laughs> back then it's like wow city and I, I just like you know rewinding and play this song over and over again i think that at, at that time i might not understand the concept of you know girls power or any like girl group like impact back then because i'm i'm not really familiar with that that term back then because i'm just still a countryside boy that doesn't know much about anything but you know when i when i'm growing up and then listen back to this song i always feel like wow this is such a huge impact in my childhood but i never realized it until this song becoming a pop becoming a bop again here in, in 2020s and all the all the nightclubs in thailand like open this, like turn on this song all the time okay so there are two things happening here um, one being really are clubs in Thailand open right now with 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 with, with a pandemic going on? I mean, I'm not no. saying that you shouldn't do that, but I'm just just mm. kind of well, I should be saying you shouldn't, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know anything about the details. <laughs> anyway, God damn it, I'm just jealous that you can that you can go to clubs. Um, yeah. Also, I can totally fucking see why they played this track and why they played this track. <laughs> like. Um, it's it's kind of like if if we're gonna draw some 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 uh, U.S. centric uh, parallels, mm. it's like it's it's kind of like when you're out in a club and everybody is singing along to "Oops, I Did It Again." Like that. Yes, that's that's the vibe I'm getting here. Yeah, that's a very good definition because like this song, if you listen to a very beginning, just like very like in like intro music on that one. It just like that two second when this song starting, everybody's like screaming and then oh, they I prepare bet, yeah. to you know dancing. You know, because everybody's dancing because it's like the choreograph is very simple. Everybody can really go crazy with it, and yeah, that's like everything for me. <laughs> Such it's, a bar. Yeah, it's also just like a fun video, you know, with the with the, with the dancing. You're right. Um, this is actually the first time I was thinking, okay, you know what? Maybe I should watch the music video before I go into recording, and I'm glad I did. Um, it's fun. Like the the weird yeah. animation bit in the middle. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. I mean, even the, when you mentioned this, I really want you to like dig down on these like members in this girl group, and they also have like a single from like the, the album, and it has like a very different characteristic to each of them. Like some two of them have a Chinese descent. They are Thai Chinese. So their song is having a Chinese vibe into it. And everybody can still like, you know, sing into it, even though the lyrics is in, in Chinese. So yeah, a pop group. Right. <laughs> I, I will say saying that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned um, that 
um, people in Thailand have, you know, they've got long names, so they'll just go with nicknames generally. That also goes for all, like, all individual members of this group. Where does that come from? Like, why why is that even a thing? You mean, like, the nickname? Um, yeah. I think because our name is... I'm I'm not sure about uh, all the countries like because but for me as uh when my Western uh friends talking about their name when I asked about the translation they would say that oh it's come from the uh from Bible or from you know other meanings but for us it's influenced from different types of language like not all of our name is like totally Thai like from my name is not actually Thai it's being like combining the Sanskrit or Pali into the name to make your name much more, I would say, extravaganza. Like for me, Warapon actually came from two words, which is Wara, which means very, and Pon means power. So it means like you have a lot, you have a lot of power. Right, so yeah. in Thailand, yeah, when you, and you, your last name also have meaning. Like my last name is very long, but I mean, I'm trying to break that. Like my last name means like a wealthy family or something like that. So when it's too long, people, you know, we're not saying this name, of course, in, in, in our like language when we're speaking in, in the daily life because it's too long. So the nickname coming, I think for me, as I know, I think like when it's becoming a little bit when westernization is coming to Thailand, because in Thailand, in back then, we don't have, like the, the very beginning, we don't have last name. So the last name just coming, you know, in like a, a middle era of Ratanakosin era. Really? And then... Yeah, and then yeah, we, our in the past we just only have name. We don't we don't have last name. The last name in the uh-huh. very beginning was give, given by the royal family. So like commoner do not get that last name, right? Until yeah, a very like a, when the modern Thai society becoming to adapt, uh, I would say westernization or being like more civilized. When when people say that they're you know, trying to build a nation to be more civilized, people starting to get their last name. So that's why uh-huh. last name becoming longer and especially like uh for chinese descent people in the past week they have some discrimination about people having like chinese chinese last name because there's a lot of uh, chinese diaspora in in chinese community in thailand so people uh changing their chinese na- last name to be a thai name but thai last name but still using some of the chinese word they have and you know integrated and build a new uh, word into Thai last name. Yeah, it's a very interesting development for Thai last name, and that's why it's becoming too long for now. And people starting to use uh, nickname for a long, long time. Yeah, I'm just also kind of entertained by how the nickname isn't related to your regular name at all. Like, sure, if yeah. people, if people in in let's say the Christian world have like a name like mm. Timothy, they will just go with Tim. Like, sure, that that yeah, shorten it. It's mm-hmm. it's very unoriginal, and I I, I kind of like that you just kind of roll with it, be creative, and just give them some cool nickname. So your 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 nickname specifically, what what was it again? How do you how do I properly pronounce it, and what does it mean? So it's uh, called Toy, T O E Y, right? It's like Tony, but you don't put, you change the N to E, so it's right. like. People, oh. my, my friend who is from the Western world will call me Toi, Toi, because they, they cannot pronounce the name properly. But sure. yeah, actually this name, I, I don't know the meaning in the very beginning, but I asked my mom again, what is this meaning mean? Uh, like, what is the meaning of this name? And she said that actually it's come from her heritage, which is like she has a Chinese descent, right. but not a Mandarin. So it's, it's mean big, it's mean like grand. Toi mean like big. Yeah. All right. So in that way, it is kind of similar. I mean, I can I can see the the parallels between, you know, big or grand, and mm-hmm. uh, and and the definition of your your official first name being like very powerful. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of powerful thing in my name. I think that's like the very like a norms in the society in Thailand that people are trying to, you know, come up with the name which have a lot of extravaganza meaning. But also, you know, if you go, uh, you do dig deeper into this like names uh, creating uh, of the people of the and the of the baby in Thailand, like they also like uh, using like a lot of stuff like your birth, like the baby birthday or something like that to integrate into a very meaningful meaning and also have a lot of blessing from the you know horoscope or something like that right i also feel like there is some kind of trans narrative going on in there like 
Um, it, how it's very easy to just give yourself a new name to mm. match your your actual gender instead of the one you were assigned at birth. Because hey, everyone gets a nickname anyway. Yeah, tr uh, that's really true. I think like it's happened a lot when when people you know trying to build uh, to build a new identity or feeling like they another another identity is in themselves. Like for like a lot of my friends, because I don't maybe I don't have that like direct experience, but a lot of my friends uh, uh, have like their I would say not I wouldn't say like alias, but they always have like another another self. That talking about them being an, in another name, you know, like because it's very normal in Thailand. Like sometimes you have, even though uh, they, you have a real like, nickname that your fa your family gave you, but sometimes you don't even call that name because, like, when you introduce yourself to any people, you can just say any name, right? And yeah. people will just, oh, okay, that's good. Oh, nice, nice to meet you, and then you know, following your nickname because, like, the only thing that that matter in you know in the legal aspect or you you want to do something like the official thing is your legal. Name. and we don't take legal name into you know socialization if you are you know going to be friends or something except that you're going to you know government office or trying to apply for job or something like that but sometimes apply, applying for job also asking your nickname because like when you when you're getting closer into socialization and you know in thailand if you just say your like real name like your first name like legal first name to other people they might think like like you know you being distanced from each other that's right. get you like very awkward yeah like it's it's just kind of uh it's basically an additional question on like the the job application form is like okay you've got your legal name you've got your birthday mm -hmm. and you've got your i don't know social your your social security number or something like that and then there's the extra mm -hmm. questions like okay what should we actually call you yeah that, yeah, that's the thing. Like you know, you know, it's like in in the Western world, they may have like prefer name in in your uh, All right, application. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh, for us, it's like nicknames. Like every, I think, like I, since I was like in primary school and even though like in the university, I think a lot of applica application form that I filled during that time always have nickname. You know, we don't have like prefer name. We just call nickname. So yeah, it's a very interesting uh, perspective for me when I, when I look back into it because I think like you can just say anything because sometimes I feel like I want to, I want to write my nickname in, you know, other things. I want like this group of people to call me in other names. I just write that one without, you know, hesitating that people will be confused or anything. So how much does it backfire when it comes to actually changing your legal name? Because, you know, people call you by a different name already anyway. Basically, um, what I'm asking is, I is it difficult to change your legal name there? Um, to change the legal name in Thailand? Yeah. Not yet. I think not that hard, to be honest. All right. Um, yeah, because I when you can just go to the you know district office and ask for the change of the name. But so, in Thailand, they have as I said that names is a you know very important part in in Thai society. As you as I said that a lot of people trying to blending a lot of me wonderful meaning and with you know extravaganza of the different languages. There there's a lot of news back then. I think that people you know change the name it, when we talk in Thai it doesn't matter that doesn't make sense at all. But when you look when we look into the meaning, it really have a wonderful meaning. So yeah, in Thailand to change the legal name is very easy, except that your name is, you know, uh kinda have a, a similar name with the royal family or does they have some a root word that is not uh, allowed into the registration system. Yeah. All right. Well, that still sounds like reasonably chill. I mean, if we're going to compare mm -hmm. it to other countries, like, I don't know, say Iceland, for example, and mm. um, even like from my own perspective, like in the Netherlands, you need to go like through some kind of court case and you need to pay a fuck ton ah. of money for it. And it's like a entire process that can take months on end. So compared to from the image that you're, you're putting out there, it sounds like you've got the better end of the deal. Yeah, we can just go to the as I said, go into the office, ask the registration. They check in the you know database that you know, oh, it's not you know, uh, and also their consideration that oh, it's not like the royal family name. It doesn't have like this similar meaning or something like that. Then yeah, done. We will print out the the legal the legal name changing certificate for you, and then that's done. Because I also changed my name actually when I was like young. Because, oh really? Like uh, yeah, because my. My previous name was Amonte, which actually means uh, a god from the sky. 
you know, life so very, very extravagant. So meaning again, and funny, funny, like funny enough, my mom. So my mom went to like a, a, a Buddhist temple to ask for blessing for like the leader, the monk leaders in in the temple, and and he kind of said that, oh, your son name is not really like a very good name because he was born in the early. Tuesday, which is like you know, you cannot have this kind of alphabet or something like that. And turns out that I changed my name to Warapon. <laughs> Very wow. funny story. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 okay. This is kind of like when you're getting your 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 child baptized, and and the priest is like, "No, we're not going to do that." Oh, that, yeah, that's so funny. Like, yeah, that's cool. All right, um, it's about time for track number two for today. Um, okay. There we go, Sam Smith. Leave your lover. I don't have much to give, but I don't care for gold. What use is money when you need someone to hold? Don't have direction. I'm just rolling down this road, waiting for you to bring me in from out the cold. You'll never know the endless nights, the rhyming of the rain, or how it feels to fall behind and watch you call his name. Take up and leave everything. Don't you see what I can bring? Can keep this beating. You're very welcome. The beautiful Leave Your Lover by Sam Smith off of the album In the Lonely Hour, released 2014. His debut record. I can tell that after that very energetic pop song, this really like brought me down to level. It's such a calming, soothing song. Um, but yeah, what upon take it away. Why did you why did you pick this glorious track? Uh, um, I think this song is like uh, explaining my turning point in my life. I think it's this song is when I almost finished my university and uh, I starting to be exposed to more of the you know environment uh, outside Thailand. So in 2014, I I starting to have like f- uh, fairly love with someone. So this song is kind of explaining my situation back then when I fell in love with this guy but with a lot of things is happening uh, you know I fell in love with the guy who is not really interested to dating uh, LGBTQA people even though like I, I knew that before but I you know um, I don't I, I, um, I back then I always considered myself that I'm very very naive in the relationship because I never had one before so I just fell in love with people and that's the thing you should do you know you, you just fell in love with people uh, regardless of uh, sexual orientation or gender identity but back then I just feel like this guy's really really something that you know, uh, having some connection with me. Uh, with this uh song, I starting to 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 listen to this song, and I said like, wow, this is such a very very meaningful song. But uh, it explained to me a lot after that uh, situation that okay, I have a first heartbroken with this song in the university, mm-hmm. and I went to. I went to an inter uh, to the internship in Switzerland in Geneva for the UN, and I met one guy there actually in the city uh, in the city nearby Geneva, which is Lyon in France. Right. Yeah. And yeah, 
I I I feel I I kind of feel hard for this guy because I <laughs> as I said I'm really naive for relationship and all those stuff. I met him uh, on the gay on, on I think on the gay on the LGBTIQ pride parade in Lyon, and that is my that is my first pride ever. I never I never been to any of it, and in Thailand we don't have a, a pride parade. I think uh, like a huge pride party during my time. So I went there, and you know everything is so new for me. Like even though I went to like I I, I went to uh, Switzerland, I went to France, to, and I met this guy. I feel like even though they might also having some discrimination, but I right. feel like this is like a whole new world for me. Like I never feel like oh I can you know hold hand with people right, like yeah. with, like. Maybe another guy on the street because in China we don't, we don't really do that. Like back then in, in 2015 when I met this guy, and you know, if I say something like very cheesy, I say like everything is like wow, this is so. This is like a very happiest time in my life. I met oh. this guy and we we click it off. But you know, it coming it 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 was coming to an end when the thing about long distance relationship becoming. The issue, right? Yeah. Just, so eventually, in, you went back to yeah. Thailand. He stayed in Lyon, mm-hmm. and from there, just kind of fizzled. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, I'm, yeah. The longest. This is a little bit emotional, but I can say that. Like, I mean, um, you know, being in a long-distance relationship is it it is requiring a lot of balance of balance of attempt. I always say that say this to myself: like, you cannot being like one-sided people who try hard in this relationship like because it's a lot of time difference right, even though yeah. people might say oh it's only five or six hours but some people it's like a lot um but I, I i try to maintain you know this sort of relationship that is that for me back then was going very well but when the time gone by it doesn't work that way even though i'm because i'm very optimistic <laughs> We we became friends. Like, we are still friends today. We we became friend friend and everything. We, he being clear about what what our relationship should be. Right. And you know when yeah when when you when the time when the time goes by for a few months and people start to moving on, but not me. But I think he starts moving on to you know dating a, a, other guys and something like that. And when when you know when we be comfortable with others and he he came back to me and you know kind of asking for some suggestion about his relationship. Just told me about oh he's dating a new person right now something like that. <laughs> Sometimes it just pop up in my head that this song is popping up in my head, you know. Like, right. Yeah. Because the music video and everything is like, can you just just leave you know him and leaving that guy for me because I'm, I, what is like the I always like curious myself that why didn't you choose me? I think I have you know something that. That can also fulfill our relationship or something like that. Yeah, it's a song that about my my curiosity about myself and also. Um, like, were you already at, my... were you already um, at at terms with your truth? Like, were you already aware mm. of your own queer identity at that point in time, or is this something that just kind of kind of mm. happened? Like, kind of overwhelmed you at yeah. the time. I I already knew I already know that I was gay but, uh, at the time, so I I I know that uh, I I really into guys and everything else, but yeah, but uh, because of I think I will always say that I'm inexperienced in this relationship kind of stuff, and I think I invest too much in it, and you know this song kind of answered a lot of things that. I try to I try to be you know avoiding which is like a little bit selfish if I say that like mm. you know he's he's happy with his new relationship but I always think like oh my god can you like come back to me <laughs> yeah it's I so, mean, it's, so it's, very it's, selfish it might have been because, a while but you know it's yeah. it's your first big love like you never forget those like yeah. um it it might take some time to get over but moving yeah. up up and onwards or or how it is people say that but. That's always a thing, right? People actually say it's a bad thing. You haven't actually forgotten your 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 first big love yet, but come on, like it's yeah. an impactful point in your life. Like yeah. of course you're not supposed to forget that person. You're supposed to learn from it and move on. People I I'm so annoyed by that. Like people often confuse moving on with compl- with forgetting that person exists. So true. Yes, that's so true. I think like moving on doesn't mean that you know, you need to forget everyone from your life. Right. That, that's why, like, a lot of people. I think like, a lot of people still very like confused or sometimes like surprised when I say to them that, "Hey, I'm still like a good. Uh, I'm still a good friend 
of 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 my exes. Like all of my ex boyfriend is like my good friend until now. And people were like, "What? Why don't you like block him? Or why don't you just like getting him out of your life or something like that?" You know, I have to admit to you, Hannah. Like I'm still very into my my first love even now. Like I I don't know that he's going to listen to this in in the future, but yeah. I I can say it out loud that yeah, Send I'm him a still, link. I'm still falling for him. <laughs> but you know. Life move on. He has exactly. his job and all those stuff. Yeah. And with every song by Sam Smith, in which he asks someone to be with him, there, mm. there, are, there's an equal amount of breakup songs. So I, I bet that you've got a whole bunch of those lined up as well. <laughs> yeah, no. But um, how about your, your, your music, uh, your def- development in, in, in music, like. Um, the other mm. option that we briefly talked about that you had lined up for your childhood memory was Alicia Keys, and I feel like I, yeah. that's actually why I picked the the Thai song because I felt like you know mm. uh, two big or uh, big pop artists in a row. Let's switch it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. my my guess is that you know your 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 music taste is quite pop oriented. How did that come to be? Mm-hmm. Um, I think is uh this uh, pop oriented music is influenced by my mom. My mom listened to a lot of Thai pop music, and I think like with 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 that influence from from my family that listened to a lot of pop music. I I uh when I started to get like my first internet connection that we still connected to a modem and all those stuff. I start I I. Um, starting to explore more of the my music taste online and all those stuff. Uh, so I I think like Alicia Keys song, if I ain't got you, this one is like my first English song that I totally like remember in my memory. No, you know, I mean like apart from those English song that were thought in Thai school to, to let you understand English. Right. Yeah. I think it's the starting point that made me. Uh, starting to getting uh, understand and being uh, addicted to uh, Western music more and more because in the past, as I said, that I'm very my my song is more of like wow, very pop pop Thai song, a girl group, the Thai girl group song, something like that because it's like 2000s and everybody listened to that kind of song. But uh, this uh, Alicia Keys song really like have a turning point in my taste of music and makes me uh, exploring all of those uh, you know possibility of music out there and really ex- uh, pushing my boundary forward uh, about my uh, interest in music even though like it may be not like very proficient in terms of like a lot of song but I think like yeah it really developed the, the sense of music that I'm listening until today so uh, another thing I want to ask you when it comes to uh, your your queer experience like Um, this is something we briefly talked about earlier. Like, what's the general consensus about queer people in Thailand? I know that there's a specific word that I want to talk about, the kahui thing. Like, um, is that is that a word you identify with? Because it's generally used to describe people um, who are assigned male at birth but aren't cis. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I've discussed this. Katoi, right? So katoi. I think like the 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 technical term "gatoe" is as you mentioned. I think it's right. People people might mention that um, this is a, a for the transgender "gatoe." But a lot of when we use casually in 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 the daily life, a lot of people call uh, other other like male side bird, but you know uh, they just uh, non cis. They just say that you are "gatoe." Sometimes people find this offensive, but some people feel like this is a very normal for them because they accept their own identity. Like for me, even though I identify myself as gay, but when people call me Katui, I feel like I'm okay with it now. The the reason I said now is because when I was young, when people said to you that you are Katui, it's such an offensive word. You know, like right, people yeah. would feel like. Oh wow! Why are you saying that? I'm not Katu, you know. I'm 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 just I just like guy back then because I don't know like I don't really realize my you know identity. But now for me personally, when people call me Katu right now, I'm totally fine with it because like that's that's also because I don't want to really, even though I'm, I label myself as gay, but I really don't want to you know being labeled that. Or being to be like, strict that oh you can just call me gay because like you cannot call me by other things because as you know some people might use this word to be at the uh, great terms to use this word against other people so for me I'm totally fine with it but I think in my in in my perspective in my experience 
a lot of people might also not feeling well when people using this word to release, uh, you know, generalize uh, a group of people. Right. Yeah. Kind of in the same say, way yeah. people in English would still use other languages as well, I suppose. How mm-hmm. people still use gay as a slur uh, or like as, as an mm. insult. And it's you can either reclaim that insult, be very dry, pragmatic about it, like, bro, that just doesn't apply to me or, yeah. um, you know, take it and run with it. Yeah, I think the the the, the word gutter is also somehow a little bit have have a little bit characteristic of people who might perceive it as a very like feminine. Even though they 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 mention this to a, a gay a gay guy, they might also uh, you know perceive as oh if you are gutter you're gonna be like a very feminine gay. Right. You know, like a, a, yeah, it's not. So when people who is like who I who also identify or you know perceive themselves as a masculine uh, gay guy or something like that, they might feel like it's a very a big insult to them because they are they feel like this is not the way to really describe them. They are not gay. They are gay. But for some people, like for a lot of my friends and also me as a uh, as a gay guy, I'm totally comfort- comfortable with it because I think like I'm very accepting myself as who i am and also my you know sexual identity and all those stuff and also my i'm very comfortable with um my the way of life that i'm maybe a little bit like femi- femininity by by other people trying to uh, label me but yeah this word is a very very i would say i have a lot of discussion in the thai society on the appropriateness of using this word to identify people so how much of toxic masculinity is there going on in there because i feel like Uh, there might be people who are not comfortable with being called katui because they mm-hmm. feel like they'll become they'll be perceived more feminine as they'd like because of mm-hmm. you know toxic masculine reasons. I think yeah, because I think like I I'm going to I, I think like my own experience on this as well. Like uh, if we're talking about a hookup culture in Thailand, like you using the application or those stuff, there's a lot of like description that people putting this kind of word like a toy into some sense of you know prohibition or some sort of taboo in terms right. of hookup culture like some of the example that i i face is like oh we uh we i'm okay with gay and all those stuff but not category you know like sometimes it's a little bit uh conflicted like for some people you know because some people might identify themselves as they are comfortable with you know being called category by some other people but you know when you said category what is kind of the indicator that you 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 using these terms of even though you know apart from you know people might understand technically that they are transgender or something like that but what is the really like indicator for for you to really trying to say like category in the in in the society because it's a very conflicted Uh, meaning for a lot of people, like some, as I say, some people accepting accepting this term, some people not, might not. So yeah, a lot of stigma and generalization is still going on. And I think like this is an issue that I think people trying to, uh, you know, I, I understand it as a social phenomena because I think the the gender terms in Thai language is somehow sometimes fluid as well. Like I said, like for me, right, the term yeah. is somehow fluid for me. Yeah, like it's it's very, very fluid. But some of the people might a little bit like singularity in terms of the terminology in terms of this word. Um, time's flying by. So time for track number three. Um, here's, yes. yeah, I can I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> Jeremy Sucker, come through. Yes. I might lose my mind. Waking when the sun's down, riding all these highs, waiting for the calm down. Walk these streets with me, I'm doing decently. Just glad that I can breathe. Yeah, I'm trying to realize it's alright to not be fine on your own. Come 
through. Come through by Jeremy Tucker, uh, the version without uh, B. Miller. I had different expectations when you mentioned Jeremy Tucker because I was thinking of the wrong guy. Because um, mm-hmm. the person who did the, the soundtrack for Avatar The Last Airbender is Jeremy Tucker Munn. And I was thinking you meant that guy. Ah. So yeah, a little bit of confusion there. But a lovely little track, nonetheless. Mm. So, um, yeah. in the category best life experience, take us, take me there. Where, when, how, what's the evening like? Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, beginning with the discovering the song, I think I, you know, just surfing through the internet and YouTube and something like that. And this song just, you know, a lot of people I think have the same experience just pop up in the recommendation. Right. Yeah. So I think like yeah, I think sometimes I, I, I sometimes I also addicted to some aesthetic like you know non capital non capitalized letter on on the soundtrack like you know it's mm-hmm. all you know, small letter. So this one is like come through and I went oh yeah let's just um, watch it and listen to it and it turns out that wow this song is such a cool song and like the music video is very simple and all the stuff like one single shot just turning around like just turning around him in, in Toronto and something like that mm-hmm. and, and after I, I listened to it and I you know read some do some research about his other song as well even though this is a very big song for him and I saw that he's coming to Bangkok So I say like, oh wow, yeah, then just go there. I, uh, and the concert is in September 2019. And I think the, the, that the thing that made me feel like this concert is the best concert I've been like to so far. Because normally when I went to concert, I always went to a very big scale concert. You know, like I always went to a K-pop concert, which is a very huge venue, like to um, 20,000 people or something like that and two days have a huge production right yeah it's like the, the... aesthetic yeah all the led and all those stuff but this is like my first concert like that event that you know doesn't have much of a thing just one stage and uh have some you know production of the station all, all those stuff and all the thing he, he he did is singing and i i i'm totally like fell in love with it because it's just a very simple concert and it just you know he just communicating through song and all other people singing along with them because and that's a very new feeling for me because when you go when you went to a k-pop concert they have like a very constructed uh, playlist and all those stuff the set list and everything and the fan club have like the items you know have a light stick have some right, sort yeah. of fan chant and all those stuff a, a project for or something it's very very like Well, well constructed activity in in the K-pop concert, but this one is really like chill, like uh, very chill, and his song is very you know chill. So when I, I it was beautiful I in its simplicity, with... in its vulnerability, its fragility, maybe yeah. even. Yeah, I, and when I listen to it, I feel like, oh wow, maybe this is also actually my my favorite song ever because I oh. I, I always feel like my 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 song is always going through some a very you know roller coaster ride in emotion or a very strong uh you know a strong tempo or a very pop dance song or something like that. But this song really like makes me very love with him and yeah, a very very right. remarkable concert so far. So, what's the general um, concert circuit in uh, in Bangkok? Like, is it are, are there even a lot of shows played there? Oh yeah, maybe like a like club scene past, that's way bigger than the concert scene. I don't know. Um, I think in the in the past few years, a lot of um, individual artists, I would say, in Thailand is very emerging. So, I mean, if you be looking back then in like in, in early 2000s or when I was like in my primary school until my university, it's rare to find this kind of artists coming to Thailand or even though like, the domestic artists like a Thai uh, indie artist going to have like a very small setting concert in Thailand it's a very very rare in the past it's only having a very popular artist concert holding in a big venue but I think in the past few years I would say there's a lot of development in you know a uh, public space i would say, i don't say public space but a concert space right, know, yeah. even space in in thailand there's a lot of theater there's a lot of studios that happen all around it there's a lot of companies that uh, uh is creating to you know managing these individual artists in thailand and a lot of 
uh, YouTube is emerging in Thailand, so a lot of artists are kind of uploading their work into the, the, the platform. So it's becoming like a very emerging market that a lot of these uh, artists having more platform to show on. So I would say that the, the concert scene in Thailand is now a very, very big kind of industry right now in the past if we're talking about a world tour from like any popular artist in 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 the world thailand right. is always like missing you know because of like they will go to a more developed countries around us like they go to singapore or go to japan or something like that but right. they rarely yeah. come to they rarely come to thailand uh, but now i think because of this development of the entertainment scene and there's a lot of creative part in the music industry in thailand i I think uh, for me, my, from my observation, I saw a lot of development in that, especially like with, you know, foreign artists and more and more about the Thai artists being exposed to this kind of concert scene in Thailand as a lot of concert spaces being created in Thailand. Yeah. Right on. Um, before we move on to the last track, um, yes, there's a little bit of a tweak in the... In, in the format because, you know, usually we'd just play all mm-hmm. four tracks and then, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd end it all. But now we're going to have mm-hmm. the showstopper be an actual showstopper. Um, mm-hmm. So the last track that we're going to play, you mentioned K-pop briefly. Uh, it's yeah. Huasab, a track called Maria. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of controversy around her. Um, yes. Explain it so, uh, so I don't have to. You probably have a better grasp of the situation than I do. Uh, yeah, okay. So, Hwasa, she's from the girl group called Mamamoo, which is, I think, debuted in 2014, which I just discovered as well. Um, I think this girl group have a lot of controversy, or even for her, especially for her, because this girl group kind of break the stereotype right. of, you know, of the girl group in Korea. Like, because I think in Korea, like, girl group will be more focused on you know, like normally their debut song would be very, very cute or something like, you know, showing their cute personality or something like that, you know, being girl group. But for Mamamoo or even size, you know, breaking that stereotype and people in the, on the internet always call them a women group. You know, they are more mature. Their song is like a very well uh, interpret and spoken their voice about uh, what they think. And it's a very, very, you know, it's, it's triggering a lot of people on the internet and something like that. And also, I think in the society where the conser- uh, you know, the conservatives still feel like a girl group should have some certain image in the society, right. you know, to to be popular. But Mamamoo is breaking the stereotype, and also like with their vocals, I would say they are one of the best uh, girl group that have a lot of like you know a good vocals in in the group. Apart from you know because like girl group uh, K-pop girl group is more about aesthetic, about a very wonderful choreograph a very uh mind-blowing uh scene of music video or choreograph but for 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 mamamoo it's not it's about more about their vocal and the way that they are getting popularized about they go they went to a lot of programs that showcasing their voices but yeah it's also come with the backlash to this to her as well because the controversy is like she's you know wearing something that might not be uh, well received by the uh, incredible netizen or people on the internet or also by the uh, the public that, you know, by they, they might say that she wears something quite exposed or also, they also, I think the, in the past, perhaps some controversy about racism. Exactly. Yeah. That's their, where I was, that's yeah. where I hoped it was this going yeah. because I, I did want to, want to have it yeah. out there. Yeah. I think uh, from that one, I just, uh, to be honest, I also just recently, you know figure out about this and i think yeah uh i i do i do feel like i also like feel like this this issue need to also be addressed by them and i think they already apologized for it um i think like yeah a lot i i think the thing that i need to say is a lot of k-pop songs also somehow facing a lot of cultural appropriate appropriation you know like because their their music is influenced by oh like a lot of non-korean songs uh they are very like somehow u.s centric as well in the very beginning of the k-pop era so a lot of their fashion a lot of their uh, music taste a lot of the lyrics also influenced by those particular parts as well it's targeted and, by an international audience it's, it's targeted to an international audience and because of that they 
claim certain bits of culture that they're not supposed to claim. It's like, look at us being international, but with that yeah. making some huge slip-ups. Yeah, uh, because I think like now, if I'm, I'm not sure you listen to a lot of K-pop, but a lot of K-pop right now, like also like Thai, when you say like Thai K-pop, or Thai, Thai pop song that I, we, we already like turn on the first or the first track that we play, I, uh, it's also like have a lot of influence. Like I think lately we also have a controversy of the K-pop group that has sort of, you know, an Indian influence, but some right, yeah. of the choreographs yeah, have like, you know, feeling like it's a little bit disrespect to the Indian culture or something like that. So yeah, I think it's becoming a very big, big problem somehow in the K-pop, like, you know, because it's becoming a very sensitive part because they're trying to reach the international global audience. And so they, their song is trying to bring a lot, this uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and, you know, becoming a bop or something like that. I Yeah, I I also feel like this this part is really something that, Mama Mu on Hwasa is really addressing on it. But yeah, I feel like uh, for me personally, um, I think like this is the a very good case that I think K-pop would take into consideration of doing something internationally. I think there should be a more a cultural sensitive to all the stuff and also, you know, about the racism and all those stuff should be taken more serious in the in in the industry because some of it I think like because of K-pop is only some group is very popular worldwide even though like some people like might know them mostly in Southeast Asia or in East Asia but to be popular internationally it's only some groups so yeah some of their comments some of their idea or thought on the on the song or the fashion or the way they portray uh, the uh, different cultures in their music video or in their music is somehow a little bit you know, con- uh, a little bit a mm. problem for some people. So yeah, I feel like you're That's, you're very yeah. you're very mm. sharp in pointing out that it's not just the individual mm. artist, but also like the industry. Because like we mentioned before, mm. Um, mm. S- stuff about girl bands being like put together by 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 large um, record mm. people, and with that, you know, um, mm. it's not necessarily the individual artists, but there's just the yeah. industry vision of what said girl group should be. And forcing mm-hmm. them into situations of cultural appropriation, whereas they personally were like, "Well, I'm just doing what I'm told, and I don't have the power to say no because otherwise I'll lose my job." Yeah, I think like a lot of K-pop, a lot of K-pop group being like that because like it's unlike a lot of Western artists that you know do a lot of people being a singer, song songwriter, and producer themselves. Some of them, but right. for K-pop, it's like you have this specific image, you have a very big company behind you. Okay, we're gonna put this into your concept for this album or something like that and you just sing you know right, you just yeah. dance into it yeah so it's like a very well set ready it's like ready to use uh sort of stuff so yeah it's a very structural problem in my opinion all right um with that uh let's call the episode here it's been lovely chatting with you Arapon. yeah and um to you dear listener if you enjoyed the episode tell a friend um uh, visit our patreon patreon.com slash queer sounds you can get some stickers there um you can get some extra content as soon as i as as soon as i pump it out as, uh and and yeah uh come hang out on our socials at queer sounds pod on twitter tumblr instagram all that type of stuff but without for further ado thank you all for listening Here's Hwasa, Maria.
Oh.